What up, y'all? Welcome to Queer Rock the Podcast, the queerest communist podcast you will ever listen to. I am Money, the twerking therapist. Ooh. I am Nikita, and I am enrolling in school to get a BA. And you're like, what is a BA? I'm studying in the bull dagger arts. <laughs> no, I thought you already had a PhD in bull dagger arts. <laughs> All right. Drop the intro for the first time in 2019. She means 2019. <laughs> Your chocolate demeanor and your cocoa kisses. I see your flow from a distance. Your vibe incite my submission. I give you all of me. Wanna make you proud of me. We see the God in all you do. Your light is harmony. Every type, darkest night, brightest light. I'm loving your soul. They hate you, replace you, taint you, but know that you go. Worldwide from every continent. I just want you jig a little bit. Move them hips, feel that bliss. Hug your sister, make a fist. Don't resist your temptation. You amazing, no limitation. My favorite in this matrix. We move by your vibration and that's love. I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby you love. I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby you love. I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby you love. You love. I hope you hear that on the daily, baby. I hope you do. I hope you hear that on the daily, baby. I hope you do. Oh, did y'all miss the intro as much as I did? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's really the <laughs> finest intro around. It is, it is. I'm so happy to be back, Nikita. Yeah. Don't you feel rejuvenated? Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> Me too. To, I am. To get back on the mic? What what? You <laughs> you're not gonna rap or nothing. <laughs> About to bust out one of these freestyles. No. You don't rap, but you do drop bars. All right. Just call me Kit Kat. So, for all of those returning listeners, and for those who may be new, and this is their first episode, would you like to tell them where they can find us, Nikita? Yes. You can find us on Instagram, at QueerWalkPod. You can also find us on Twitter, the same handle, Handle, excuse me, at Queer Walk Pod. You can find us on our website, which is Tumblr, QueerWalk.com. And maybe you want to send us an email. You know, maybe you're a little shy. You want to send something a little bit more personal. You can shoot that right onto the email, which is QueerWalkPod at gmail.com. You can also find us on the Book of Faces, also known as Facebook, which is QueerWalk colon the podcast and no matter wherever you're listening you use the hashtag what is the hashtag i'm gonna tell you hashtag queer w-o-c you've been practicing in the off weeks haven't you no i just got it like that oh okay i just was so excited to get back that i was ready to tell people where they could find us all right so money Mm -hmm. how can people contribute to this here program all right if you want to put listening not only into a passive verb, but an active verb and become part of our community that we're trying to sustain over here, you can do so in one of two ways. The first way 
is monetarily. You can give us some of your hard-earned coin, and you can do that either by hitting us off at the PayPal, which is paypal.me slash queerwoc, or you can become a patron at patreon.com slash queerwalkpod, P-O-D. And the difference between the PayPal and the Patreon is the PayPal is just a one-time donation, and the Patreon is a consistent, you become a sustainer, as Nikita would say, of this here program. Um, We have different levels over there. You can give as much or as little as uh, you would like. All right. So that's the monetary way, right? The second way is showing us love. Share. If you're listening to a podcast episode, share it. Let people know. Refer a friend, you know. Tell, Tell a friend to listen to Queer Walk. Post it in your group chats. Send it out on your listservs. We know y'all got listservs. And right. we know y'all get 27 emails that you don't be wanting to get. Just respond with a Queer Walk episode. Just shut them up, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Buy a t-shirt and be seen in public with a Mental Moment with Money t-shirt or a Glucose Guardian t-shirt. All of those ways also help us uh, further and sustain the program. And also, 2015... This is the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall Riots. Yes. You should invite us to come to your community, wherever Mm -hmm. you are, so we can talk about all things Queer Walk and Queer Pac related. Mm -hmm. Like I said, where else y'all gonna find some queer, of color, communist bad bitches to talk about Stonewall shit on the 50th anniversary of Stonewall. Right. I mean, we right here. We right here. We just invite us. We ain't doing shit anyway. You have, I thought we left that behind. <laughs> the point remains, if you want us to come to your community group, your bookstore, your knitting circle. Not bookstore. Your not whatever. knitting circle. No. I'm not going to a knitting circle. Your, but f- your full else. moon party. Full moon, yes. If you want to invite because us to the full moon. <laughs> get a, oh, get no. Not that kind of full moon. We don't want to come to that kind of full moon party. Why not? I was not a fan of Full Moon Brandy. Oh, I just like that song. The point remains, whatever your lunar uh, proclivities are, we want to be there with you talking about queer walk, queer pop shit. Maybe you have a lesbian lunar society. Like we do right here in Syracuse, of which I am the president. She's not, y'all. She's the dictator. Anyway, invite us. (laughs) All right, Nikita. Mm -hmm. So we're going to move it on along into our... Queer Pock, Queer Pock, Queer Pock of the Week segment. And this segment is just where we highlight Queer of Color Baddie doing some badass, badassery. Yeah, badass, badassery. <laughs> yes. That sounds like a, a club. Ooh, girl, you know you're about to go down to the badassery. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The first Queer Pock of uh, 2019. Drum roll. Is T.L. Lewis. Yes! <laughs> You're so ridiculous. Throws panties on stage. Okay. <laughs> or you might want to keep your undergarments on. It's up to you. Anyway, so who is T.L. Lewis? So T.L. Lewis is an organizer, a professor, an attorney. And Lewis works a lot, especially with uh, deaf folks who have been imprisoned Mm-hmm. So I think it was back in December. I saw this. So I came across this <clears throat> case of this man named John Wilson. 
So John Wilson is, he's been incarcerated since 1994. And this is just, I mean, it's just such a gross, egregious, like dis- disgusting display of um, like accessibility, racism, ableism. And so he was interrogated by uh, the police officers. He's deaf. He uses American Sign Language, but he did not have an ASL interpreter with him. And that's required by federal law. That's what I was just about to say. Isn't that like, aren't you entitled to that? Right, you're entitled to that. So and so he kept saying um, that he was wrongly convicted. So he'd he'd written he'd uh, written letters to judges lawyers, and a whole bunch of other legal um, organizations. Wait, wait, wait. So they, they interrogated him. Yeah. And then, like, convicted, convicted like, him. Convicted yeah. right. What? Which is, again, totally disgusting. All without, all without all without someone who speaks ASL. All right, all without interpretation. Right? So the, the U.S. Parole Commission uh, denied John parole every year um, citing that he refused to express remorse for the crime that he had that not he didn't par- do and that he had not participated in programming. Just take a guess about why he couldn't participate in the programming. Cause he's deaf. They didn't. They didn't have any any resources or any interpreters for him to participate in any programming. And so TL has been John Wilson Jr.'s lawyer since two thousand seven. And so, again, he's been in prison since 1994. So, you do the math, that's already 13 years oh in my goodness. prison, right? So, TL had been uh, working to get John Wilson exonerated. So, it was through working on John Wilson Jr.'s case that TL created an all-volunteer nonprofit called HERD, which stands for Helping Educate to Advance the Rights of the Deaf. And it promotes justice for the deaf and the hard of hearing. One of the things that TL said is that, you know, I firmly believe that he, John Wilson, is factually innocent of the crimes for which he has now served more than 20 years. Oh, my God. The struggle to locate culturally competent attorney, attorneys with the requisite knowledge and resources and the barriers that I encountered investigating innocence cases as a mere concerned citizen led me to create H.E.R.D. Back in December, the U.S. Parole Commission finally recommended parole for John Wilson. And so he's coming home. But it's because of folks like um, T.L. Lewis. And one of the things that I thought was most alarming uh, from this article where Lewis um, is featured and profiled is that many of the people that Lewis and the organization heard work with, even though they're wrongfully convicted, the conditions in the prison are so deplorable and so bad that the imprisoned folks often ask Lewis and Heard to work on these extremely deplorable conditions first. And so I just want to read this quote from Lewis. And so Lewis says, stories of sexual and physical abuse, isolation, and persistent language deprivation often so severe that it caused deaf people to forget how to communicate in sign language in English. And so it's like, I mean, it's just like a whole, like, a, a ray. I mean, there's, it's just like a really brings into sharp relief, like, the intersection between mm-hmm. race, mm-hmm. class, you know, ability, ability. disability. Yeah. And it's just like... So, in addition to the article where TL is featured and profiled, I'm also going to post a really amazing syllabus that TL posted. And it's a really good syllabus that has some good resources on 
race, disability, and class and how they function in the carceral system. So definitely be sure um, to check that out as well in the show notes. And so it's just like, this is just a, a really important victory. I think I saw, I've seen like a few people sharing uh, the, the story about John Wilson, but the main person naturally that I saw sharing it was T.L. Lewis. Mm-hmm. So I just really wanted to uh, just take a little time here uh, to just shout out TL and really amplify um, this victory that TL was really instrumental um, in helping win. So again, shout out to TL. Thanks for telling us about that um, case because I had never heard about it. And yes, shout out to TL Lewis. Definitely keep doing the work. We are so excited to like uplift you here. So yeah, indeed. Yeah. All right, Nikita, we're going to move it on along to community contributors. Yeah. Are we really bringing that in? I don't know. We don't have a jingle for community right. contributors. <laughs> um, yes. So what's the community contributor segment, Nikita? So as Money said at the top of the show, there's multiple ways to contribute to the show. So that's becoming a patron, making a one-time donation. But also something that's also equally important is when you share your ideas, thoughts, and responses mm-hmm. and feedback um, to us or just things that are like happening in your community that you want to share with us. If there's if you have an idea for a topic or as we'll talk about um, in a later segment, a curve chronicle where you talk about the wins and the woes of dating that mm-hmm. you want to share with us. Or, you know, we talk a lot about mental health, social justice, and all those kind of things. If there's something that you want to put on our radar, then share it with us. And you can do that through the Gmail, QueerWalkPod at gmail.com. Or when you're listening to us and you're when you're listening and then chatting and tweeting about it on Twitter. So, again, using the hashtag, hashtag QueerWOC. Yes. All right, so you want to do new patrons? Yes. So we have one new patron, and that is Amira. Oh, yes. And we definitely appreciate you becoming um, a new patron. Mm-hmm. We got any other donations? We do. We also want to give a warm, wonderful shout-out to Shantice uh, for making a donation to the show. Unfortunately, so I guess this is a good time to update, Shantice wanted a t-shirt, small, but we're out. We're, yeah, we don't have no smalls. Right, and so we're we're going to get through this batch, and then when we get a new batch, we'll definitely have some smalls. But Shantice uh, just said, go ahead and keep the donation. So we right. appreciate that. So if you would like a medium through 2X, <laughs> mental moment with money or glucose guardian shirt, Drop $25 into the PayPal. And if you're a patron, another perk of being a patron, you don't have to pay for shipping. Yes. So it's just a flat $25. But if you're not a patron, then that is an extra $4.99. <laughs> and we also wanted to give um, a shout-out and just read a quick little note. Um, I don't know if they want us to share this, so I'm not going to share their name. But okay. we'll give them, uh, we'll say Blanche. <laughs> no, we've already had Blanche. Uh, we should go on to, what's another show? With Frankie. Frankie. Oh, okay, Frankie. Right, mm-hmm. that's so cute. So Frankie says, "Hi, Nikita and Money. Your podcast is incredible. I love it so much. Thank you for doing what you do and recording these conversations. They are so joyful and informative and inspiring. You are both adorable and brilliant." Aww. Money, I think you said something about the average coming out age for Black women being twenty-seven. Mm-hmm. That certainly rings true for me. I'm a black agender person who fully realized my queerness in my late 20s. I tried searching for more info on this, but couldn't find anything. If you could share where I could read more about this, I would appreciate it very much. Also, please do this podcast forever. 
Thank you. <laughs> we'll try with that podcasting forever. Right. Because uh, this is uh whew, this is a process. Yeah. But yeah, I'll put the um link to a couple articles in the description box of the episode. You can read it there. You just wanna just for people who may not have heard those previous episodes, is there any just any other like tidbits you wanna share about black women coming out late in life? That's not late in life. Or but later. I, yeah. At twenty at that age. Yeah. Um well, I can't remember what episode uh, we were talking about this on, but a lot of people feel that if they're not out by, like, 18, that they are late late to the game or, like, late bloomers. Um, and so I just wanted to highlight that actually studies done actually by black queer women. Um, is There's this uh, great article Min Young Moore wrote. What is it called? Lipsticks and Timberlands? Lipsticks and Timberlands. Yeah. That talks about, like, when... Black women come out, and we tend to do so around the age 26, 27, 28. Um, that's the statistical norm age for us. Doesn't mean you can't come out at any other point in life. It doesn't even mean that you have to come out. But if you if you are choosing to name that identi- identity publicly, it usually happens for us around 27. And so, yeah, that's just one of my favorite articles. It talks about, like, um, gender expression in black lesbian communities and also other, like, culturally specific things that have to do with black lesbians. So I'll yeah. definitely link that one. Um, and I can't remember the other article that I was reading for my dissertation, but it, it pretty much says the same thing. And it makes sense because we have we just have a lot of shit going on in our lives. <laughs> like, right. Standing at the intersection of misogyny, racism and homophobia that it would take us about 10 years to get there. So, right. yeah. All right. So I have other shout outs for community contributors. So this I, is so fun when we like have so many that we have to decide right. which ones we're going to do next. Exactly. So uh, we also just want to give another warm shout out to, was it Shannon Corpru? Yes. So Shannon sent us this wonderful little oh, book Jesus. of poetry mm-hmm. called Where the Color Purple Grows, the Intersection of Loving and Fearing Black Queer Bodies. It's a collection of poetry and prose. Shannon sent this to us a while ago, but the office where we get our mail oh is just, I don't, I don't want to get into that. <laughs> uh, that's another topic for another day. But the point remains, uh, we finally got our hands on it mm-hmm. and we've been able to go through the, uh, the poetry. And it's, it's just so sweet. It's just yeah. so wonderful. Yeah. And we want to um, put a link to uh, Shannon's work into the description um, in the show notes, but they also, I just want to read this sweet, wonderful little note that they... We have an autographed copy. We do. <laughs> so Shauna says, Money and Nikita, thanks so much for allowing me to share this moment in my life with you. I hope this work will bring peace and a safe space. Keep doing what y'all do for the community. Sending love and light to your future and current endeavors. All the best. Oh, that just is so amazing. Yes. I'm, I'm, oh, yes. Thank you, Shannon. I was just going to say, it's like... If you can't hear my big-ass grin, it just feels so special to me because, I, you know, I love books. And to have one signed that, like, we, like they're right. happy to share this with us. Oh. Right. That's what I was going to say. It's so... I don't know. I feel like it's so intimate sharing your work mm-hmm. with somebody. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, we don't take it lightly. and We really do um, deeply appreciate it. So really thank do. you so much. Yeah. And we encourage you all, again, check it out. Where the where the color purple grows, the intersection of loving loving and fearing black queer bodies. Yeah. Sean and Corpru. Yeah. Link in the box. You sound that kind of nasty. I'm going to start saying that from now on. Link in the box? <laughs> I'll put a link in the box. I bet you will. <laughs> anyway, we've got we've got more. Yes, we have more. Shout outs and in inclusion for this community. 
So, first of all, I would like to give a personal shout out to the homie Day from Toronto, who is currently probably when this episode drops. Oh, yeah. I think this episode drops the same day that their episode of the launch uh, airs. And what so, is the launch? The launch is a singing slash music show in Toronto, Canada. Okay. So, I, I think it's based out of Toronto. It's a Canadian singing show. Right. Um, and so, my mere American ass is just hype about it because of day. Right. Um, but, yeah. So, if for those of you who that name is sounding familiar, it's because on the episode where I did... Uh, queer women of color who sing slash rap about mental health. Day's song was played, Sandman. I put a little snippet in that episode. So if you would like to check Day out on Instagram at Lovely Day and show her some love and tell her that Queer Walk sent you. Yeah. And that we're so excited for her talented, fine ass. Yeah. Um, She's yeah. too fine. It's, I actually, I feel like I have a beef with her. <laughs> it's just, Nikita it's is just, beefing with Day for the most ridiculous reason. They're just too fine. She's too fine. She's too talented. Like, give me a fucking break. <laughs> Save some for the rest of us. That's right? that's how I feel. Like, can can we just get a little a little bit? All right. Oh, no, drip. but we we are wishing Day all the best. All the best, and oh, just twenty nineteen or twenty fine team. Thank you. Yes, it's your year, Day. All right, and I want to read two reviews from the app that should not be named because I don't have an Apple product. Also known as, what is this? The podcast app? The pod, Apple Ain't podcast. Ain't that what y'all call it? Apple podcast. Whatever y'all call it. So the first review comes from Jay Bernie, and it is titled, This podcast changed my life, five stars. This podcast is in my body. See? Link in the box. Oh, I, don't... I was spitting <laughs> I was spitting truth to some white folks and I felt so empowered, particularly from the conversations you two have. Thank you so much for providing language for so many of the things I think about and experience. Thanks for empowering me. Three exclamation points. You are welcome. Thanks for empowering us through yeah, that message. That's wonderful. Wow. Getting we... getting the love over the break. I feel like it amped us up. Yeah, to come exactly. Back. Like this, po- yeah. I'm just saying. Wow, this podcast is in my body. We're like blood cells. I'm just um, um, picturing uh, Jimmy Junior from uh, Bob's Burgers, like doing the. Little- oh my god, doing that dance! <laughs> dance with yeah, headphones on. <laughs> this podcast is in my body. Okay, the next review comes from Jess Lee Harrington, and it is titled "New Listener, but Forever a Fan." Five stars. I really enjoy how you two show the world and all of your listeners unapologetic intelligence, queerness, professionalism, and a dash of crazy professionalism. Mm. I don't... Okay. (laughs) I guess we are professionals. Yeah, we are professionals. We are professionals. I've learned things from you both. You've allowed me to ponder on things I know and given me talking points in my relationship and with friends. Oh, yes, relational therapist here. That's good to hear. (laughs) This podcast and few like it have blessed my ears with what I've wanted in living my truth. And that is being able to connect, although virtually, with those like me, a queer woman of color. You both are doing fantastic. Please keep it coming. Keep it coming. That's That's where that took you? Don't stop there. It. No, don't stop it. No. You you passed go, collected two hundred dollars, and landed there. I did. Okay. Well, we love you anyway, friend. 
Don't you want to be like Jess and Jay Bernie? Yeah. You beat me to it. Go ahead. Go ahead. You no, can no, finish. no. Finish. Oh, my God. I think we're just both excited to do this. <laughs> well, then go ahead and give us a rating, a thumbs up, a like, a DM in support of the podcast. And you, too, can become a community contributor. And maybe you're in a hurry. If, For instance, if you're using Apple Podcasts. Right. Maybe you're like, I don't have time to write a review. Well, just go ahead and give us the five stars and then come back later when you have a second and then write the review. Mm hmm. Because, y'all, statistically speaking, we should have more ratings. Yeah. Because social media engagement shows that 10% of the people who engage with something will, like, actually take the second step to review it. Exactly. So that means 50 more, y'all, can just hit those stars right now. Hit Thank the you. stars. Pause what you're doing. Thanks. We'll wait for a second. Thanks. And go ahead and tap that five star. All right. We are now moving on to the mental moment with money. Hey, y'all. So I am so excited to get back to mental momentizing with y'all. Wow. Um, What is the mental moment with money? The mental moment is where I merge my training credentials and career as a mental health provider in the Syracuse community with my bomb ass podcast Queer Walk. That's actually <laughs> that a-, a really perfect summation of the moment. <laughs> All right, y'all. So over the break, it felt like it was just like every moment was a moment for a mental moment. Ooh. And I was like, what the fuck? How are we gonna come back from break? How am I gonna like check on everybody right. like y'all good um and i but i don't want to start heavy so i've decided to like sort of start where most people start in january and that is doing like an assessment of your wellness all right so what had me thinking about this actually was you know just like just like really um re-traumatizing and re-triggering shit was happening while we were on break um and i just kept thinking about this thing from the DSM-4 called the Global Assessment of Functioning. And that's pretty much like a score from 0 to 100 about, like, how good are you doing? Like, how much is this diagnosis impacting your life? Or a strength-based way of phrasing that, if this was not impacting your life, what would your score be, mm. right? So, um, like, how many points is this taking away from your life? Oh, wow. Um, and, but a lot of times, what gets left out when people talk about the GAF, like the, go- the Global Assessment of Functioning is that that score takes into account your social, your environmental, your work, your um, your school, all, all aspects of your life. It's a global assessment of functioning. It's not just about your mental health, right? And so as we start off the year and everybody's um, trying to get, you know, snatched for the gods and all that stuff, everybody's hyper, hyper focused on their physical wellness, but... Are you well, though? So I'm going to tell y'all about the seven dimensions of wellness. That's right. There's seven. Seven. You know what these psychologists really do? They just come and, like, expand on the work before them. So some people even believe that there's nine dimensions. But we're going to start with seven because, you know, seven is a good number. And I know some of y'all are shocked to know that there's more to wellness beyond physical. So (laughs) let's start there. So the first dimension is obviously physical. And that has all to do with um, bringing attention and awareness to how you're moving, 
how you're eating, your sexual health, making sure that you're getting those like STI screenings, making sure you're taking uh, PEP and PrEP if you need, uh, making sure you're taking anything, uh, any kind of medication to sustain your uh, physical health, and sleep. Ooh, I'm, a, I'm an evangelist for sleep. Yes. I feel like I talk about sleep every three months in the mental moment. Yeah. But it's, it's, so, it's important. so important. It's, it's very critical. important. Um, yes. Your ancestors did not um, involuntarily garden this land for 300 plus years for you to go without sleep. Yeah. You deserve sleep. And what I was also thinking is that when you're sleep deprived, like all the rest of these aspects of wellness, is kind of just like a domino effect. They start to go by the wayside. Yeah. And and the way you sleep can also like give you some clues to other stuff. Like, are you oversleeping? Are you sleeping more than you usually do? That might be an indicator of some like emotional stuff going on, too. So, yeah, sleep is important. Okay, so the second dimension of wellness that I would like to tell you all about is social wellness. Um, And social wellness has all to do with having a strong social network around you that provides support and guidance. This This is your sense of social connectedness. There's a lot of isolation during these months of the year. Mm, And sometimes having like a tweet or an Instagram video can make us feel socially connected. But we're not actually. Yeah, because the key part in social wellness is that you have a network that provides you support and guidance. Right. Yeah. So um, it's so it, it wasn't funny, but it was funny. I saw some like guy tweeting about something he likes you know, sexually. And this girl like retweeted it with the comment, get a diary. (laughs) You know? And, um, and that was funny because like Twitter is not your, your social network. It's a, it's a social networking site. Right. But you, you don't go to Twitter for the, like the affirmation, the, um, the support that you right. get from like social network, right? And I know probably introverts out there are like, Eek! but <laughs> there are ways that introverts feel socially supported and connected. I didn't say eek. I am a curmudgeon, but there are ways that I feel socially supported. How can you give um, the innies like you a suggestion? Yeah, it's like I'm not gonna go out and go like buck wild, but like I might call to have a friend over. I might mm-hmm. hang out with a friend for like a very specific amount of time. A friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at a yeah, time. Yeah. Um, I was even thinking about like reading alongside someone. Yeah. Or like doing something like parallel to somebody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like I don't I don't need you, you know, gabbing away at me. But yeah, that's exactly we yeah. can be like in the same space. Yeah. All right. The third dimension of wellness is environmental. And environmental wellness is your relationship with the earth and your personal surroundings. What are you doing to declutter, to recycle? Are you um, trying not to be a trash ass bitch, a littering ass bitch, and and try to be more of a... Do they use that language in the DSM? (laughs) Are you being a trash ass bitch? It's it's actually my article coming soon. <laughs> that is in the DSM. That's like the diagnosis. What is the DSM? Diagnosis and Statistical Manual of Money. I'm going to say according to money. <laughs> this is what we need, okay? We need a reinterpretation these of translations, these translations. Right. This what I'm doing is being culturally sensitive. Culturally competent. To, exactly. Right, cuz I know what being a trash bitch means. <laughs> exactly. So, 
just think about it. When you could be having a good time with somebody, but if they like open a car window and throw something out, don't you kind of yeah. get an attitude? Yeah. I know I do. I'm like, oh. or that person who comes to your house with a drink or like some tr- some trash, like and they leave it? it, and they leave it, and even <laughs> yeah. I like, and once they leave, I'm like, it was good knowing them. <laughs> they are officially fucking dead. Exactly. That's environmental wellness. Right. Your cup <laughs> does not spark joy. <laughs> what is your impact on the, the literal environment around you? I'm not I'm not your housekeeper. Right. I'll be leaving your trash at my house. And if you're going to leave, oh my gosh, I was just yelling at my housemate i won't say her name because i want to get dragged <laughs> the other day i i, I texted her and asked her if she was home because if she was i was gonna drag her because she put her food her like throwaway food in the recycle bin no <laughs> that's not where you that goes you separate that shit out <laughs> what you just you just go yes the container is recyclable but the food, but the chicken isn't you have to check the chicken <laughs> in the garbage now <laughs> so yes environmental wellness the fourth dimension of wellness is financial. Woo-wee. Yeah. So I I just need to tell you, I got like a little financial wellness booster shot because our friend Sequoia at Doula for a Queen um, did a vision board and like financial literacy workshop with her auntie who is like a black woman out here teaching financial literacy workshops. Interesting. The whole family is just full of badasses. This is true. Yeah. So anyway, so I started off my January really paying attention to my finances. Um, and even when you're like me and you got twenty eight ninety seven in your bank account, you still you can't just be recklessly swiping that card like <laughs> it's over. It's over anyway. And crossing your fingers and swiping the card. Think about this is something that she said in a workshop that like really had me thinking about it is like compare it to like other aspects of wellness. You wouldn't just be drinking all reckless and be like, well, might as well. Yeah. It's the same thing with like swiping your card or like um, spending money. Right. And I'm not telling you I'm not I'm you know, we anti capitalists over here. So I'm not telling you you should be taking that money and investing in a passport. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. I'm saying is to be intentional Right. So it's all about mindfulness. Like, how are you paying attention to the way you budget, the way you um, spend money um, and what your means are? So if your if your means are twenty eight dollars like mine, it's good to know that because <laughs> that means that you could probably spend twenty dollars on gas and then go get a loaf of bread <laughs> and have some PB and J that week, you know? But you need to know that. You can't just be, you know, out here wilding, swiping cards. Mm. Yeah. Carry cash. I think she suggested me to use the envelope method because when I have cash in my hand, I'm like, ooh, not my money. Right. But when I have that card, it's just like whatever. Right. And so she was like, yeah, actually make yourself a budget. Get cash out of the bank and put it in envelopes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it for February. That's going to be my challenge. The fifth dimension of wellness is spiritual. Spiritual wellness is all about understanding and reevaluating the beliefs, values, and ethics that guide your life. Y'all know that um, meme that people keep updating every year with the woman carrying the bag, stepping up from two th- <laughs> from the next, from the previous year to the next. Yeah. <laughs> As people update that meme, they are 
understanding and reevaluating <laughs> <laughs> what beliefs, values, and ethics that they actually want to carry into the next year with them. So that's all spiritual wellness is about. Like, are there some beliefs that you used to hold that don't feel like they serve you anymore? Mm-hmm. Um, and you need to, like, grow into new ones. Yeah. You won't know that unless you're paying attention to your spiritual wellness, you know? Get on your crystal shit like I have, you know? Whatever you got to do to make you feel well in your spiritual realm. The sixth dimension of wellness is emotional. And emotional wellness, you guessed it, is all about managing your emotions. Uh, feeling like you're, I do this work so much with teenagers in uh, therapy, feeling like you're in control of your emotions and not that your, your emotions run you. Yeah. Um, that's, that's when you can assess like, okay, I'm emotionally well, because when your emotions feel like they run you, that's when your mental health is so likely to get out of pocket because like if anger feels like it's running everything in your life, how, how are you okay? Yeah. Yeah, so... Don't get dog-walked <laughs> by, your, by your emotions. That's what she's trying to say. You see how I did that translation for you? Thank you. You just, you just think you so current. I feel so hip right now. <laughs> Go ahead. Yes. Yes. As the black feminist philosopher Bel Calise Almanzar said, <laughs> don't get dog-walked, you know, by your emotions. So how, how do you manage anger? How do you manage depression? How do you manage stress? All of these things have to do with your emotional wellness. If you didn't have the answer for any of those, I would challenge you to do like a, just a quick right exercise of how do I manage stress? How do I manage anger? How do I manage depression? Shit, how do you manage excitement and happiness? Because for some of y'all, that might start to spill over into that financial I wellness. Say that, I know that's when I get to swiping. <laughs> <laughs> I got bags in a coop, <laughs> busting out the room. That's exactly what be happening. <laughs> Swiping everything up. Okay, and the final dimension of wellness that I want to tell y'all about is intellectual. And intellectual wellness is, uh, you know, about staying intellectually stimulated, engaging and learning new things. Have you picked up a new hobby recently? Are you trying to learn mm. a new language? Yeah. Do you like puzzles? Maybe, maybe... Doing puzzles is good for you. You know, I got this puzzle when I went to uh, Disney World with my sister, and I still haven't even cracked the box open. You playing games. 2019, I shall. Have you read a new book recently? Read for fun to be uh, intellectually well. No, don't just read because it's a sign. Because then you have this awful relationship with reading, which is fucked up. They don't want you to read. Okay. <laughs> get out my um hotel princess right. bag <laughs> why do you think they made it illegal for you to read? Right. simmer down uh money so intellectual wellness another way you can uh check in or keep up on that is also staying aware of social political issues like via this podcast that is, that is a really good way to yeah. stay to stay abreast of what's going on i would actually say that Listening to Queer Walk could fit into your social wellness, your financial wellness, because we're free. Uh, you donate what you can. Yeah. <laughs> and your intellectual wellness. Your spiritual? Uh, I'll just... say a little juju podcast more for that. A little juju, yeah. Because, <laughs> bitch, I can't help you. We just... Because <laughs> we just going to be out here looking at rocks, and I'm going to tell you what this rock is good for, what that rock is good for. I guess that's spiritual. Because you're not going to but... get nothing out of my Marxist ass on the spirituality <laughs> I'm a materialist. All right. Okay. okay. <laughs> You're such an <laughs> asshole. Go on. 
So just a rundown again, as y'all start this year off thinking about wellness, the seven dimensions, physical wellness, social wellness. I thought you was going to echo me for everyone. That was going to be annoying. Environmental wellness, financial wellness, spiritual wellness, emotional wellness, and intellectual wellness. You're welcome. That was was (laughs) top notch. That was really good. So yeah, I just want that's what I wanted to like start the year with. It's such I think it's such a good way to start yeah. the year. Cuz I think I'm going to go into a series on like recovering from trauma. Mm. Cuz I I just I feel like we need it. I mean, y'all right. could y'all could hit me up using the hashtag queerwoc and tell me like nah, I don't think we need that as a mental moment. I mean, series, every, but everybody saw or heard about the surviving R. Kelly and all that I stuff. I mean... There's all this stuff. Weinstein's going on trial in May. I it's mean... Just, it's everywhere. We got 26 inches of snow in the past week. Oh, yeah, that's I mean, that. we li- we living... People a- are out of work. They're trying to build a fucking wall it's a on lot. the board. Like, we, we need a series yeah. on recovering from trauma. Because another thing I feel like... All right, I- I'm going to just say this and I'll be done. I promise, Nikita. Um, but I just feel like we get in the habit so much of just p- putting a Band-Aid on it until we get to the next moment, like coping mechanisms, yeah. that we don't ever get to the point of dealing with the shit so we can, like, recover and, right. like, you know, like, right. be good. Like, yeah. have a whole new integrated self Ooh. and all that shit. And so that's not to say that we don't need coping mechanisms. Y'all know I'm the, I'm the, I'm the bitch screaming from the rooftops that we need grounding techniques so yeah. that we can stay present. In, in the face of, of violence. But we also have to deal with the way that those things scar us and yeah. then don't scar us because violence doesn't always have to turn into embodied trauma. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's like, how do we how do we start to do that healing? So I just want to do a series on that. And it won't be um, heavy, I promise. But yeah. I do have one question for the, just for the mental moment that you just did. Mm-hmm. Would you recommend, like, I mean, I guess it depends on, like, how your life is, but it's like, would you recommend, like, trying to stay aware of all of these? All seven? Yeah. Okay. Or do you, like, focus? Or is, you know what I'm saying? Because I feel like it mm-hmm. could be, like, overwhelming. Like, oh, my God. Am I am I well in all seven dimensions? <laughs> well, there's seven days of the week. Oh. And so... <laughs> You act like I told you something new just now. It just, it clicked. So, the way I think about it is like this. Usually when I see people in therapy, they're focusing on their emotional wellness, right? Yeah. So, I just do like checkups for all the other areas. But this is their day that they've allocated to focus on their emotional wellness. Got it. So, for the rest of the week, you have to make sure that the rest of the things are in balance too. So, it's kind of like that game you play when you were a kid to keep the balloon off the floor. You know, it's like <laughs> it's like you you don't just keep hitting it in the same spot all the time. Sometimes the balloon floats over there and you got to hit it from another yeah. angle. So, oh, okay. So, if you if you've been like, I've been going to therapy, but I still don't feel, well maybe it's cuz you completely socially isolated and yeah. socially disconnected. Right. And your therapist is your only friend. So, every time you show up, you want to talk for 45 minutes just at, on some friendship and we ain't even got to the stuff that's bringing your ass to therapy in the first place. Is this coming from a place? <laughs> Or it just felt very specific. Sorry, y'all. All right. This is this has been a long mental moment, but 
this y'all is really get, helpful. Y'all get what I'm saying. I'm not telling you that every morning you wake up, you need to run down. That's what I was thinking. That could be anxiety. That's what I, which is, hence why I asked. No, think okay. about it. Like, maybe on Sundays, that's your only day off from work or something. So you're like, okay, I'm going to do my, like, environmental stuff. I'm going to make sure right. I recycle. Oh, or, like, like, that's my budgeting for the weekday. Exactly. I got it. I got it. Yeah. Okay. Try to try to allocate one day for each of these things. Okay. That feels doable. Yeah. Because at first I was like, this is going to be, I'm going to have a new no. set of problems. Make space for yourself each day, okay. even if it's 20 minutes in the morning, that you are, you like, all right, yeah. today I need to just focus on my emotional. Okay. Ding, 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 ding. And now our bi-weekly word with our womanist worker, wordsmith wizard, Nikita. Ding, 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 ding. I was just hoping we, we would. Yeah. Oh, God, I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> Here we are. Okay. I missed that. Yeah, I know you do. Yeah, I missed that. It's I been four weeks since you heard it. That's a good ass intro. I'm just intro. giving you a hard time. All right. So, what's the word, Nikita? This week's word is Kamala, though. Kamala, though. Oh, you know I'm ready for this. All right. Let's go. <laughs> Let's fucking go. <laughs> You're out of control right now. So, I'm sure everyone has seen by now. There's been much hot takes, banter, and talk about Kamala Harris on social media and all the places in between because on of all days, she announced her run for, for a 2020 uh, presidential election on MLK Day. So... The audacity on my day off. In front of in front of our salad, come on. <laughs> so a lot of people have talked about and I, if you're on social media, like a lot of this stuff may not necessarily be new, but it's something that I think we talk about consistently on the show is what the fuck are people in power actually doing? Exactly. Not about right. what they symbolize, mm-hmm. not about what identities we may or may not have mm-hmm. in common, but it's like what is what is the historical, empirical record of the things that they have done? Exactly. I honestly, I'm actually surprised because I think on the, like the social media feeds and like the conversations I've been having with people, I think we've, I think a lot of people have learned their lesson post Obama, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think we're falling for the okie doke, mm-hmm. you know, as much. So I kind of, there's like just kind of like some broad points I want to start out with, like three. Two and a half, two and a quarter points that I want to talk about before we get into the, um, like, her actual record on some things. It's like, I, I'm going to, there's going to be a lot of links because we don't have time to get into every nitty gritty detail, but just kind of painting some, like, broad strokes. So, here's the important thing. So, Kamala Harris right now is a senator, right? She's mm-hmm. in the, um, she's in the Senate. But before that, she was a district, district attorney of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And then... You she was, <laughs> and then she was the attorney general of the state of California. The what? <laughs> you were so ridiculous. So I got into a Twitter like little back and forth with some people about Kamala Harris months ago before she even announced. Announced before she announced um, that she was going to run. And like people, and I found articles from like 2016 through 2017. They were like, mm-hmm. she's gearing up to be like the front runner. Oh my gosh! Right. But so in this little Twitter spat I had, I was reminded of Michelle Alexander's book, The New Jim Crow. Right? We all know mm-hmm. the groundbreaking book. And I didn't realize it was uh, published 
2010. So that's almost a mm-hmm. decade ago mm-hmm. that she um that she published that book. And I just I had to go back to it because I said it and I was like, I think I'm right. But I just want to go back because the point so people have called Kamala Harris a, a cop. Right, like mm-hmm. the top cop. Mm-hmm. It's like because she's a prosecutor. And so I went back to Michelle Alexander, and then there's another guy. His name is John Pfaff. He wrote a book, uh, just came out called Locked In. I'm going to get to that in a minute. But one of the things that, you know, Michelle Alexander points out in her book, New Jim Crow, is that the role and the power of the prosecutor. Yes. There's, there's something about that particular role. Right in our society, because I see people already about to say now that's like, well, you know, she's garbage because she's not really black, or like her mama Southeast Asia. So people are trying to come for her because they're not, she's not quote unquote authentically Have black. Have you seen Tamil people? That's, okay, that, 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 that's that's neither here nor there. Continue. But the point is, it's like because I saw like not as much, but I did like I remember seeing that from like some people mm-hmm. around Barack Obama. It's like, are is he really black? It's like mm-hmm. this is this is not a question about yeah. authenticity, right, right? Right. It's a it's a question about again her record. It's a doing. question about yeah. power, right. Right. And and just the fun fact, because people have tried to come, because I see like, I mean, this goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. The attacks that she's going to get from the right wing right. are not the attacks that we support. And right. we'll defend her against those exactly. because we are in principle against racism, xenophobia, exactly. sexism and all of the exactly. above. Right. And so fun fact, the reason why it's not about like how she was um, raised or anything like that. Her daddy, who's a Jamaican immigrant is a Marxist economist, and her mama was like homies with Cedric Robinson. And for anybody who doesn't know, Cedric Robinson, uh, the radical late great historian, he passed a few years ago, and he wrote the groundbreaking book, Black Marxism. Mm-hmm. So that that's her parents. Mm-hmm. But obviously, as we'll get into, she don't share those Howard, politics. Howard did more than her parents did on her politics. Ooh. Yeah, shots fired, H-U. Okay. You can get it. Because I... <laughs> <laughs> say say, say more about what you mean. You by that. um about like the conservatism that happens in like black respectable and black elitist spaces. Yep, yep. Um, that it just ends up looking like I don't know, like like white supremacy with a brown face. Yeah, like boom. And I and I, to go back to the DA and like being top cop, y'all don't even have to read the new Jim Crow, although you should, because it's a good ass book and it will explain a lot of shit to you simple beings. <laughs> Sorry, what? I'm just mad about this. Oh, you know see, why. You, you know why. You're really coming out the gate on this. Because my thing is, we've been consistent. You said this to me the other day, and it's so true. Us not not supporting and endorsing Kamala is consistent with our politics. Right. It's consistent with consistent. the with the uh, the radical black feminism that we have always spewed on this mic. Boom! We, we ain't got to say nothing else. Y'all ain't even got to go as far as our prisons obsolete or the new Jim Crow. Y'all could just watch an episode of Law and Order SVU and see who they they talking to every day. Right. They are talking to the DA. Right. Like what, and and they literally sitting there like co-conspirating with the cops of like, oh, like should should we pursue this case? Is this worth it? Or like that's the DA. Ooh. Boom. I'ma get I'ma get to that in a minute. But so I just I kind of want to get that out the way. Ooh, that that hold that. But um, I just want to get going, out the way Nikita. that it's Keep not going. it's not about something that is about her. I'm like on some level it doesn't matter whether she genuinely believes the things that she has done or said. It's like it's something about the like the structural limitations yeah. of that kind of position. Right. Right. And so I kind of just want to harp a little bit on her announcing on MLK Day because 
She knows what she's doing when she, she does that. Yeah. Right? And she's it's not just the fact that she knows what she's doing. She's trying to insert herself in a particular kind of mm-hmm. political tradition. There are some things where she is progressive. Just off the top of the dome. It's like she came out against against Prop 8. She supports Medicare for All. She supports tuition-free college. Uh, so she supports mm-hmm. sanctuary cities. And so why am I saying all this? Because it's like, I think about Glenn Ford from Black Agenda Report. He doesn't just say that the Democrats are the lesser of two evils. He says that they're the more effective evil. Mm-hmm. So when she mm-hmm. announces on MLK Day, right. it's because... In reality, she does have some progressive right. uh, bona fides. There is, and that's the only thing that would make us mm-hmm. be Vote like enticed her. by it, her. It would be. It's the only right, right. Because right. if because Jeff Sessions could make an announcement. I mean, I know he's no longer in the Trump administration, but yeah. if Jeff Sessions could come out, not that he ever would, and, it would and say something on MLK Day, and, both we, were, middle fingers and we would all be like, right. this old dinosaur is basically a walking KKK mm-hmm. um, grand wizard. Right. We, there, there's no way that we would ever be duped by it. Right. There's been enough progressive either like statements or like, you know, proposals or policies that it gives it gives you enough of the allure for her to be mm-hmm. an effective front runner, right? Mm-hmm. The flip side of that, though, is like I mean, we know that MLK is just he's I mean he's basically used for whatever he people want to use him for, right? These days, it's like we know that. But when at the end of his life, I saw this article where it said that like his it's not even you couldn't even call it an approval rating. His disapproval rating was like at seventy five percent. And it's not a coincidence that it was towards the end of his life where he was moving further to the left. And, he, mm-hmm, and, the, and mm-hmm. the most concrete thing is that that's when he came out against the Vietnam War. Yeah. And it was once he did that, that's when uh, LBJ, Linda Bain Johnson, you know, some kind of relationship with around civil rights. Uh, LBJ mm-hmm. totally severed that relationship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. And then even other people in the civil rights movement were like, you know, you talking about this Vietnam stuff. You shaking the that's, table. You, you getting outside of your wheelhouse and that's going to mess yeah. stuff up domestically. And... At the, towards the end of his life, before he was assassinated right. by the FBI, just to like or CIA, whatever, just to remind y'all that this this was found like in a lawsuit right. that that they were culpable for his assassination. But anyway, he was also very critical of black people who was who was in this wishy washy place, right? Who weren't like taking a stance. Like he he Sequoia reminded me like Martin Luther King dragged y'all. He dragged y'all for like being this well. Right, like people forget that it's like it was. They act like he was just this. Like here, have a cookie and let's all sit in a circle and right. sing kumbaya, motherfucker. Right. He was. He, he was principled. He was. He was principled. And that's. And I'm so glad because you just you basically made like that's the point that I want to make is like MLK took positions even even at his detriment and like the detriment mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know to the things that he was fighting for. He took. The just and the right stance because they were it was the just and the right thing to do. That's what you do when you have principles. That's that's what you Kamala, do. That's what you do about that, right? And so it's she, so she actually so when she announces on MLK Day to like implicitly try to put herself in that kind of tradition, it's like she actually can't. She hasn't demonstrated that level of like of having political and moral yeah. courage. Yeah, Th- those those are just kind of like some like. Just some points I wanted to get out the way. And so before we get into again her record, I just want to I just want to go back to um, Michelle Alexander and John Pfaff. 
I'm sure y'all know the the new Jim Crow, but we'll put a link in there and link in the box. A link in the box. Okay. And so I have a, just full disclosure. I haven't read John Fab's book Locked In, but I've read um, articles and reviews about it, and I've listened to um, him do interviews um, on podcasts about it. So we'll post some of the. Um, so what you saying is you got receipts? Continue. Okay, I mm-hmm. more or less. So I just want to read some stuff from them about the nature of prosecutors. Because remember, this is what essentially Kamala was. And again, getting it's not about her as necessarily as an individual, but it's like, how much power does this particular person, person have? have the right. state of California. So here's Michelle Alexander, page 85 of the new Jim Crow, if you need to have that receipt, that citation. Bars. So she says, though it is not widely known... The prosecutor is the most powerful law enforcement official in the criminal justice system. Or top cop, if you will. <laughs> that's, not, that's not a quote, but top <laughs> cop, if you will. It is the prosecutor far more than other criminal justice officials who holds the keys to the jailhouse door. After the police arrest someone, the prosecutor is in charge. Few rules constrain the exercise of his or her discretion. The prosecutor is free to dismiss a case for any reason or no reason at all. And so that's Michelle Alexander, 2010, right? New Jim Crow. And so here's, um, so I'm quoting um, Adam, Adam Gopnik did an interview. It wasn't an interview. He did a review of John Pfaff's book in the, in the New Yorker. And this is what Pfaff says. Again, underscoring the amount of power that the prosecutor has. So he says, Violent crime was increasing by 100% between 1970 and 1990. The number of prosecutors rose by only 17%. But between 1990 and 2007, while the crime rate began to fall, the number of prosecutors went up by 50%. And the number of prisoners rose with it. Mm -hmm. So there's a a sidebar. The mass incarceration grows with the amount of prosecutors. Prosecutors, right? right. Uh, the fact that fact may explain the central paradox of mass incarceration: fewer crimes, more criminals, less wrongdoing to imprison people for more people imprisoned. A political current was at work too. Fast thinks prosecutors were elevated in status by the surge in crime from the '60s to the '90s. Quote, it could be that as the officials spearheading the war on crime, he writes, district attorneys have seen their political options expand. And this has encouraged them to remain tough on crime, mm-hmm. even as crime has fallen. And I want you, I want us to remember the phrase tough on crime. Meanwhile, prosecutors grew more powerful. There is basically no limit to how prosecutors can use the charges available to them to threaten defendants, uh, Faf observes. And so just another point um, that, I, that he, somewhere else in the article, he says, meanwhile, all the rewards for the prosecutor, this, this is a key point right here. All the rewards for the prosecutor at any level are for making more prisoners. This is essentially the, the yeah. fundamental purpose of the prosecutor, right. right? Since most prosecutors are elected, they might seem responsive to democratic discipline. In truth, They are so easily reelected that a common path for a successful prosecutor is toward higher office. They often run unopposed. And so this is, so in that article, and there in another article, 
Um, they quote uh, Ronald White Wright of Wake Forest University Law School. And so Ronald Wright looked at data from 1996 to 2006, and he found that about 95% of incumbent prosecutors won re-election, and 85% ran unopposed in general elections. So this, so with these two quotes, the, the the thing that I'm trying to set, the stage that I'm trying to set here is how much they power. have all this power, right? And they run unopposed. Right. Eighty five out of a hundred of them run unopposed. That's right. what eighty five percent means. That not forty, not thirty. So but. this is this is the embodiment of who gonna check me, boo? Embodiment. <laughs> and so the one thing, and so another important piece to again to underscore the level of power that they have is like. In theory, the 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 countervailing force should be the jury, mm-hmm. but we know we that know. 90, yeah. 90, 90, yeah. 95 cases right. are played out. So the ju- so the juries aren't even able to even, have any. Yeah, check you don't even get to a trial, right? Yeah, right. So again, that's so. This is outside of Kamala. This is the, the this is the the context in which right. prosecutors right. operate. And and of all the spaces she could have occupied, she chose. District attorney prosecutor. And so I read this article from The Economist. It was from 2016. It was when she was, um, I guess, running for senator. And so apparently she was, um, she was, there was like some community activist who she ended up bringing to and to her administration. Um, I can't remember if it was when she was DA or attorney general. And the, so she told this person, because this person, they said, they described them as like a radical militant activist, but it's the economist. So who knows what radical militant means for them. But in this conversation that she had with this person, so she says, you know, pressure is put on the system from outside and inside. So she's like, some of us choose to work inside. And she's like, you can't always get everything you want from a bullhorn. Right. That's the, so that's Kamala Harris, which basically is to say it's like sometimes it's so the, the way that I interpret that quote is sometimes you have to um, sacrifice your principles yeah. and join the system mm-hmm. as it currently exists. Mm-hmm. But this, but again, we've already laid she, out yeah. how, how the system like the context in which this one position, how yeah. the context in which it operates. I'm really not trying to jump ahead. Of no, you, go ahead. But like um, if I do think that we all have our part to play sure. in the movement, but you're not taking your bullhorn inside the system, you exactly. you just fucking dropped it. Cause when, cause all right, so <laughs> I, I'm heated about this, and y'all, I don't know if any of y'all follow me on Instagram. Like you know, I posted on my story about it, but at every turn where you could have done something to decriminalize folks of color, especially in a state as big and as brown as California, you did not. You did not. Like, you are against legalizing marijuana because it would cause more headaches for the system, and, but not thinking about, like, how, how, that, how having it illegal is criminalizing black and brown bodies. Right. Like, what? The way that um, marijuana is also, like, an attack on the poor... Like, and I, this is going to sound like real crazy, but like weed is like a poor people's drug, (laughs) you know? And it's just like, it's only, um, working class and low income jobs where you have to take these drug tests where, um, if you want to get, what do you call it? Like state, uh like sanctioned um help like snap and uh oh like public like, assistance yeah public benefits. assistance like you're you're having to like do a drug screening that you will fail for like marijuana right and it's like shit not to mention we was talking about like ableism earlier Kamala don't give a fuck about you she don't give a fuck about your your like disability your chronic illnesses that you're managing with yeah. with 
marijuana. She literally said that it is because of the headaches it will cause to the system. So, so where's your bullhorn? Right. Who are you protecting in that quote? You're not protecting people. You're protecting the system. The way that I've always heard it said is like, the system is more likely to change you then when you, you are go inside of it, but then it, then you are more likely to change it, right? So, like I said, so again, we've already set the context, and, we, and I'm glad that you brought those examples up because we're going to get into that. When in it came bit. to prison overcrowding in 2012 and 2014, she she just took no stance. Right. Where's your bullhorn, Kamala? Where's it at? So, like I was saying earlier, it's like the only reason why she could have this allure is because she has to give some kind of gesture to being progressive, right? The fastest growing population in prison <laughs> are women who look like you. Oh, we go, and we're going to get to, we're going to get to Kamala on women in a minute. So, this is from a book, so a book that she just, it just released at the top of the year, The Truths We Hold. Come on, receive. So, she calls herself a progressive prosecutor, right? <laughs> and. <laughs> An arguably oxymoronic term. It's oxymoron, right? So this is so I'm. It's a full quote uh, from her from the truth we hold. So she says, "For me to be a progressive prosecutor is to understand and act on uh, this dichotomy. It is to understand that when a person takes another's life, or a child is molested, or a woman raped, the perpetrators deserve severe consequences. This is already a red flag, right? That is one imperative of justice." But it's also to understand that fairness is in short supply in a justice system that is supposed to guarantee it. The job of a progressive prosecutor is to look out for the overlooked, to speak up for those whose voices aren't being heard, to see and address the causes of crime, not just their consequences, and to shine a light on the inequality and unfairness that lead to injustice. It is to recognize that not everyone needs punishment, that what many need quite plainly is help. So this is what so this is what Kamala says, right? And you've already brought up what she does. These instances about of like what she does. Mm-hmm. Right? And so like I said, she she um has um been there's some things where she has been um progressive. And I don't just mean in her like short tenure in the Senate, but even even when she was um with the, the district attorney in San Francisco, when she was the, the DA of San Francisco. So, for instance, on capital punishment. So, she ran on not imposing capital punishment, the death penalty, right? And so, this, this is a good thing. So, right after she was elected, there was a case where this 21-year-old kid killed an undercover cop. And, you know, the police department, they, they, were, they were livid. They yes. would fry him, mm-hmm. kill him. Um, there was um, a senator, Diane Feinstein... Uh, trash Kamala and when so Kamala Harris and Diane Feinstein went to the um, that officer's funeral mm-hmm. and apparently Diane Feinstein trashed Kamala Harris at the funeral because took a principled position she was like I'm not gonna seek the death penalty and the 21 year old kid was spared the death penalty right so she says you know I'm, I'm opposed to capital mm-hmm. punishment and again she has a veneer of progressivism mm-hmm. but and I, I listened to this so there's two other um, things that are important where she's contradicted that as, especially as attorney general. So there's another podcast I listen to called Better Off Red. It's a socialist podcast. And they had an interview as last year with this uh, black man on death row. His name was Kevin Cooper. So Kevin Cooper was um, arrested. He's been on death row since um, the 80s. He was accused of basically a brutal murder of this white family. But it was found that, I, I, can't, I think it was the Sacramento Police Department, totally framed him, mm-hmm. right? Something that he and others who support him and who, um, who said that he was innocent and was framed is that 
they want some DNA, they wanted some DNA testing mm-hmm. run that was never run. Mm-hmm. And this mm-hmm. is in California. Mm-hmm. When uh, Kamala Harris was the attorney general, she refused. And this man has been on death, death row. row. Yeah. She, she had the power mm-hmm. to do something and she totally refused. And so as a senator, you know, she came out and she, she's like, you know, this was bad. I'm sorry. But it's like, okay, great. You acknowledge that you fucked up. But we had the opportunity to mm-hmm. actually do something to save, to move this case forward, to get Kevin Cooper off of death row and out of prison, mm-hmm. you didn't do it, you Kamala. Didn't do it. You yeah. didn't do it, Kamala. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, this is in like 2014, again as Attorney General, there was a case where the the U.S. the Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals uh, was trying to overturn a, a lower court's decision to invalidate the state's death penalty. They could have mm-hmm. gotten. They, they could have got rid of it in in general, like. And Kamala, she 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 defended the constitutionality of the yeah. death penalty. Yeah. yeah. You had power, girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is you doing, Kamala? What is you doing? What is oh, you no, doing, Kamala? Oh no, baby! What is you doing? <laughs> what is you doing? Right, and so and so this, and so I feel like that's the best way to understand. So there's a long article from Jacobin, and the the title is perfect. It's called "The Two Faces of Kamala Harris," because mm. I think that that to me is the point. Because like I we, drag her, <laughs> we can't. And again, like I keep saying, it's like if she didn't have any any progressive anything to speak of, we'd be like, "Girl, you just a fraud." We, yeah, like we wouldn't care, right? Right. Like, why she wouldn't be a word if there wasn't something, there, right? Right. There's obviously something there to like animate. Black and brown folks about her, right? Exactly. But when you like, crack, when, when, when we you, go through the yeah. record, we're just like, and again, she remember she announced on MLK Day is like, yeah. you're saying that you're going to be a, a bold progressive leader and do like, I mean, I think I mean we talk about her all the time, but this is what AOC does, yes. right? Like you think about the issues, you think about where we, how we talk, and I go to this example all the time: single payer, yeah. free college tuition. Yeah, that was that was pie in the sky like three, yeah. four, exactly. three, four, five years right. ago. Yeah, and like when you've got AOC right now talking about tax like a marginal tax rate of upwards mm-hmm. of seventy percent, mm-hmm. it's like whoa, we haven't seen those kind of tax rates since the fifties, but yeah. it's like. It, like that seems impossible, but when you have somebody who's courageous, yes. or who's like, even if yeah. I lose, mm-hmm. I know that this is the right thing, and this is what people want me to mm-hmm. do. It's like mm-hmm. I'm gonna put everything in it to yeah. make it happen. Yeah. Those are the kind of leaders, not just that right. we want, but that we fucking deserve. Right. Exactly. And and what we're trying to say exactly. is that Kamala has not been that mm-hmm. person, mm-hmm. right? And I mentioned earlier, and so uh, I went back, you know, I, I pulled that quote from John Pfaff where he was basically saying that prosecutors, like, there's an incentive to be, like, tough on crime. Mm-hmm. And so, we, of course, we are now living in the ruins of the, the drug war and mass yeah. incarceration and tough on crime. So mm-hmm. no decent person, especially who's trying to project a progressive agenda. A persona is going to use yeah. the, the language of tough on crime. But smart on crime. All right. So, that was, <laughs> so that's what I was about to say, right? And so Kamala says that we should be smart on crime. We know what words mean, Kamala. <laughs> and so it's like, what does that mean? We know what you're saying. Kiki and with Hillary. We know what you're saying. And so, and, and, this, and this point from the Jacobin article really, it really underscores John Pfaff's point about how the mass incarceration ballooned under like the mm-hmm. increased power um, of increased numbers, excuse me, of prosecutors. So, so Kamala, this is from her website. Kamala believes that we must maintain a relentless focus on reducing violence and aggressively prosecuting violent criminals. And it's like, side note, it's like, I know that Kamala is not going to be a prison abolitionist, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Right? But it's like, 
And so on some levels, like, we know that she's not going to be that. But again, going back to the point of being bold, it's like, the reason why we say is like, it's not just that it's um, inhumane and that it's, you know, disgusting and that prison is... Prison and stuff is inhumane and it's totally harmful, but it doesn't work to actually yeah. deter violent crime. Exactly. It right? doesn't. And so yeah. she believes that, so barring that reality, and so she claims to be a numbers person. And we're going to get to that in a minute. She loves, she's she's a dad loving ass, whatever, right? So, but when she became the San Francisco DA, the felony conviction rose from 52% to 67% exactly. in three years. Exactly. So she has all these nice quotes yeah. about like mass incarceration and injustice, mm-hmm. but it's like under your mm-hmm. tenure and yeah. because of your vigilant pursuit, thinking that um, incarceration is the only way the, to deal with violent crime. Right. It's like you've expanded mass incarceration, exactly. girl. Exactly. That's what you've done. Significantly. Statistically significantly. Yeah. From 52% to 67%. In three years. In three years. Bitch, you a factor. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. And so um, a lot of people have talked about um, she defended three strikes laws yes. Yes. in California. Yeah. I get another for those, thing. And that's an, uh, for those of you who don't know, the three strikes laws is like uh, pretty much three felony convictions, which, again, who who's determining like what is and is not like pursued as a felony conviction. Right. Equals life imprisonment. That's what three strikes law is. Yeah. She defended it. Right. And just to, um, again, going back to John Pfaff, this point about the violent crime is really important because something that he talks about in his book is that, you know, we love to talk about the drug war, Mm -hmm. but, like, in reality, like, the, you know, that that has been totally detrimental, racist, and unconscionable and indefensible. But he was like, the real kind of, the real question that we have to deal with is, like, nonviolent drug offenses accounted for only around a fifth of new new incarceration. So it's like, we do have to deal honestly with this question, Mm -hmm. right? And those of us who are, like, prison abolitionists and who are, like, who have a radical analysis of, like, the carceral system is, like, again, the entity of the prison as an institution does not do anything to address right, that. Right. And it's right. like if somebody was bold, yeah. we'd be like, that's this is actually not the way to go about is, dealing with it. Right. That. Yeah. And so that's why it's really important because it's like it's a, it's the thing that like as an organizer, you know, I'm always that's the thing you have to agitate people around. You have to change the narrative mm-hmm. around that. Because most people like I think because there has been the movement, you know, around like BLM and um you know, bail and um drug war, there's been all like there's been like a lot of attention and organizing around that. I think more, I think more people have come into the fold of saying people shouldn't be thrown into prison for nonviolent offenses. Right. And now we have to extend that analysis mm-hmm. to be like, this again, this entity is not the solution to deal with crime. Right, right. Right. Yeah. And so... Um, if, if people are getting three strikes, then there's obviously, like, there's something, like, that's not happening that you're claiming that prison is rehabilitative. Exactly. It's not doing. Exactly. And you said that you wanted to address... The, the issues that cause people right. to become violent criminals, you're not doing that by upholding the three strikes law. So if you want to talk about killings, violent crime, this is a huge thing. It's like she's on the issue of like police killings. She one of I'm going to quote um, somebody from. So Earl Ofari Hutchinson, um, who's the president of the Los Angeles Urban Policy Roundtable. This is what he had to say. Um, when people in um, California were organizing uh, around trying to get a bill passed to require her office to investigate fatal police shootings. Mm-hmm. And again, remember, she's the one that cares about violence. Right. Police right. shooting people and killing them. That's exactly. Pretty that's, that's pretty violent. Right. 
And so, um, and I want to, I'm going to quote two people to keep making the point. So Melina Abdella, a BLM activist and professor. Um, so when she, when they were talking about this bill to require um, Kamala's office to investigate fatal police, police shootings, Abdullah said, this is not the time for timidity. MLK said, if you ever tell black people to wait, that means never. Mm-hmm. For, so for somebody who, who announced on MLK Day. Right. Somebody who was organizing to, for her office to use the power to hold police officers who killed people accountable. They were like, you don't have time to be timid. And so, but this is what Earl Ofari Hutchinson said um, about Kamala. He said that she could have been a more vigorous advocate for full criminal justice reform. And she's, she has been unwilling to be big and bold. Harris's role has not been pivotal in reshaping the criminal justice system. The pyramid shook, but it often wasn't her doing the shaking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a really good way. I want a shaking ass president. I want a twerking. I want a, a gyrating ass president. Okay? Somebody that the twerk <laughs> shakes so hard they could be an extra in that City Girl Cardi B vi- uh, ex- video. They could be an extra in that video. The girl who uh who did the next stand. <laughs> right. That's what I want. Yeah. Um, and that's what you know that I'm, I'm I'm like jokingly saying that, but in real life though, I think people People sort of like, I get it. Like we become sort of like dejected around this stuff because we're like, we're never going to get like the leader we deserve. But like you said, what was it? 10, not even 10 years ago, this stuff seemed pie in the sky. Right. So it doesn't become real. And y'all know I'm a narrative therapist. Like you have to live into the story that you want to see play out. So if we hold these people accountable, do I think she can be pushed? Maybe. I don't know. Right. But like how how she is right now, she ain't it, girl. But it is possible for us to have a leader who is shaking the table around so- criminal justice reform, right. who is shaking the table around uh white supremacy, who right. is shaking the table around capitalism. Like that's not that's not pie in the sky. Like think about it. these aren't just like buzzwords that we talk about. Hopefully, these are like values and principles that you that you organize your life around. I mean, I think the way that I think about it, though, is like, if it's not possible to have a leader to do this, then it tells you something fundamental about the, about system. the system. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. Um, I know we can And that's go- why you also can't be single, um, single issue focused around this shit because right. it's all really interconnected. Right, exactly. And just, I mean, I, we could talk about her all day long, but just some, just some quick points that I wanted to say because, you know, you know, it's going to be like a Hillary thing where we're going to be saying, oh, she's a woman and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, the <laughs> pussy caps for Kamala. Right, exactly. <laughs> but um, her record on sex workers' rights, I mean, that's, that's a Girl, big Girl, we got to gotta end this. But yes, yeah. Awful. So, Awful. Um, so, so she fought a suit brought by sex workers' rights organization to legalize sex work um, in California. She fought against it. She fought against it. Right. Yeah. And then um, also with so she was she was supportive of what is it Foster Foster yeah. and Sesta because she like yeah. many others unfortunately continues to flate conflate right. uh, sex trafficking with sex work yeah and like right? um like particularly the way she uh, uses like children who are like victims of sex trafficking and and uh, 
like makes them synonymous to sex work. It's right. not it's exactly. not the same thing, exactly. right? So so like she talks about like vigorously and rigorously pursuing and uh supporting FOSTA, which for those of y'all who don't know, FOSTA is the fight online um sex sexual sex trafficking sex trafficking act, act yeah. Um which uh famously targeted like back pages and stuff yep. like that. Where people who want to like voluntarily do sex work to earn their their means to live are being she she talks about them as if like oh this is the same thing as like child sex trafficking right. and it's not we i mean any person with common sense knows it's not the same thing like whether you sign up to do a job or if you're groomed from childhood exactly. to do it exactly just just some other stuff she um specifically around gender she tried to block a transgender um, inmate from getting gender reassignment yes. surgery. So you know, Prop Eight, she uh, opposed, but this, yeah, you know, she's fine with that. And just a, she's even talked about. Um, I can't. I don't have the direct quote about like women being like the fastest group of incarcerated people, but she also was trying to target. Um, so she had a really disgusting, like, anti-truancy law. Oh, my god! you know, truancy is when you're not showing up to school. Right. right? So she threatened parents of um, students that were, like, truant a lot, that they mm-hmm. were going to have to pay as much as two, a $2,000 fine. $2,000 fine and spend a year in jail. Again, she has all these things about mass incarceration, <laughs> specifically women being mass incarcerated. But she's like, I'm going to throw you into jail. <laughs> if your child don't go to school. Right. Who's she throwing in jail? You know she's throwing in jail. Mamas. Mamas. She's throwing mamas in jail. Exactly. And by October t- uh, 2012, at least two mothers had been imprisoned under the law. And some might be, be like, oh, well, it's two. Two is too, too many. Two is too, too many. Too, too many. It's like, oh, God. I just want to read this quote from her. We are putting parents on notice. If you fail in your responsibility to your kids, we are going to work to make sure you face Locked the you full force and consequences of the law. She sounds bitch, like a prosecutor. She, bitch. 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 As, <laughs> okay. Let me find my words. As a... Uh, a, a, a permit-holding marriage and family therapist <laughs> in the state of New York. <laughs> this, what about parenting classes? What about um, giving them a thousand dollar like vouchers right. for for maybe um, transportation or transportation. gas or childcare? Exactly. What What about having school start um, earlier or later so that or it doesn't programs. coincide with the time that you have to be at work? What about having bus routes pick up kids that live within a mile's radius of schools? What about all these things that you could do instead of locking up mamas? Yeah. But that's what you want to do? <laughs> no, no, no. Those aren't viable right. solutions. The no. full force of the law. <laughs> Girl, if you don't sit your uh, prosecuting ass over there. <laughs> okay, Howard, girl. Go sit down. And there's so much other stuff to say. I'm picking um, on Howard. We about to get you, all the Howard quiz. Yeah, people are about to hurt us. Um, so the point is, Kamala. I, I'm about to say it's a resounding no from from us here at Queer Watch. It's, it's the um, it's the meme of uh, conceited walking away from the rap battle. <laughs> like, does nobody know that meme? I don't even know what. I don't that, know any of the words he, you just said. <laughs> conceited. He's right. He turns away. He goes. With the red cup in his hand. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or what does Randy from American Idol say? That's going to be a no, no from me, me dog. 
And some people it's a no. are probably going to be like, why are y'all picking on her? And it's like, because y'all know Joe Budden is garbage. Exactly. You know? yeah. well, maybe Joe, you Budden. Know. <laughs> Joe, Joe, Joe Biden. Joe Biden, whatever. <laughs> you know, you know. Well, Joe Budden is garbage, is, too. <laughs> you know Hillary Clinton. But we're also, right. I'm sure in future episodes, we'll come from, uh, we'll come for Tulsi Gabbard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Elizabeth I already, I already been busting shots at her on Twitter. So, so, you know, I'm ahead of the curve on dragging her. So, <laughs> <laughs> so ready. Like I said, we're going to have a lot of links um, in the um, show notes. Yeah. But all I'm saying, y'all, is ask for more. Yep. Like, and this is not. Because you deserve more. Exactly. And it's, I feel like people are like, well, y'all just saying that because she a black woman. No, it's because she, if you saying that this is what you, you purport to be, right. do it. Do it. And what is she going to do for the whole, for the masses of black women? Don't, don't. Well, I, somebody said she was a K. She out here perping. She perping and fake letters. You saying you this? Be this. Be that. Or if you're not, sit your ass on down. Sit down. Have several seats. Because we got so many more that we can run in front of you. What's that? What's her name? Monica Moorhead? Yeah. From the Workers' World the Party? Workers World that's, Party. That's my black woman <laughs> president? Come on. All right, y'all. I feel like I had to go get something to drink and, like, whew, puff on this illegal uh, <laughs> vape Stop pen. If y'all have a topic that y'all would like us to cover, because we don't have a topic for this episode, I feel like we um, end the year the same way we bring it in. But <laughs> um, Y'all can send us topic suggestions to queerwalkpod at gmail.com. Or hashtag QueerWOC. Tag us in your uh, stories and stuff and we'll see it. Um, or just leave a comment under one of our pictures and stuff. Like, hey, can y'all talk about blah, blah, blah. No topic is too big or too small. We, we will tackle it here at Queer Walk. So, we're going to move on into Curve Chronicles. Yep. Curve, 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 curve. And for those of you who this might be your first or you, it's been a, a month, so you forgot what Curved Chronicles are. Curved Chronicles are the stories, the tales, the uh, adventures of our dating lives. The woes and the wins of Queer Walk Love, if you will. So, Nikita, you got any Curved Chronicles? I don't, I don't have any Curved Chronicles. No? How was uh, New Orleans? Why are you telling people where I've been at? What, you acting like GP, uh, GPS now? <laughs> I didn't know that that was secret. I mean, no. you posted about it on your Instagram. No, 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 because this would be also a good time to dote on uh, Diedrich. Exactly. So, I, it was my best friend, uh, Diedrich Brackens, who is a phenomenal fibers artist. And what does that mean? Yes. It just means he be weaving. He be weaving. He be weaves. weaving. Deeds <laughs> weaves on the Instagram. So, he had a piece in the New Orleans Museum of Art. And we got to see it, and he also turned 30, so it's just, I'm just so proud of him. It's just, it's so, I'm not a culture-having-ass bitch, so, um, you know, I'm not, I don't know nothing about no art, but it was just so nice. And I love, like, the, um, like, his work that, um, that he does. It's all about, you know, black folks, queer, uh, queer folks, and this particular piece was about the displacement, by, mm. like, black folks in the South, and, um... Just like our relationships, like the natural environment. It's just, it was just so beautiful. So, uh, the boob, that was like a surprise. They schemed 
for like a surprise birthday gift for mm-hmm. me to go see him mm-hmm. for his 30th. So it's just so phenomenal. And I hear, you know, he's a, a very cute, adorable, fashionable gay. He's got a, other mm-hmm. cute, artsy, fashionable gay friends. And it's just so people. You pick up any tips? About, oh, you tried this. It. <laughs> this backwards camo hat that you're rocking? Okay. What? This is not a visual program. Nobody needed you to describe that. Y'all will see the picture. I'm going to upload photographic evidence. Anyway. Follow us at Queer Pod. Anyway, I don't remember what I was saying. You ruined it. That you were surrounded by other fashionable, well, fashionable queers. Artsy queers. And Artsy. So it was just mm-hmm. great being in the museum with them and just like, they're like, you know, people who like know art, but like aren't like bougie or snooty about right, it. They're right, like, right. They're like, this is a thing that I love. Like one of his friends, Alex, does um, ceramics. Oh, and wow. it's just, it's, and like he does, I feel like it's kind of like, the best way that I could describe his work, Alex's work, it's kind of like, Trap bougie ratchet ceramics. Oh, <laughs> why didn't you get me a piece? That's kind of how and my it's just thighs like, just clenched. You know, because I was teasing him. I was like, art. I was like, when I think about ceramics, I think about some little old white housewife. Mm-hmm. But like, just like how he's pulling, pulling and putting things together. Mm-hmm. It's just I'm like, oh look, this is actually like very not just like aesthetically interesting, but like he's mm-hmm. also like talking about like his interests and influences on his art, and like they're like explaining and talking to me about like the other art pieces that are in the. Um, like in the show and in the gallery, it was, just, wow. it was such like a, it was such a rich experience. Oh, your your intellectual wellness was on ten. Yeah, I'm done. I'm about done for the year on that. <laughs> I'm good. I wish I could have been there. Happy belated birthday, DJ! Indeed, yeah. Premier queer black fiber artist. But dirty thirty mm-hmm. in the muddy. Mm-hmm. Nope. New Orleans. Oh, that was cute. Anyway, it was just, oh, it was just a good trip in, you mm-hmm. know. So I've been knowing him since I was 15 and, you know, got to, got to meet the boo, so that was nice. That was fun. Mm. Bringing worlds together. Yeah. Aww. All right. A little nucky at 15. All right. <laughs> Aren't you going to ask me? What's going on? Your, uh, you got Chronicles? Nothing. I'm dead inside. But does that, so is that a no? Maybe. All right, so. I was about to say, you got something this year. <laughs> Over the break, y'all, I, I, first of all, I just want to shout out my little sister who entered me in the Fairy Godmother uh, contest, this website. Yeah. Because <laughs> I ain't breaking up no coin this way. Um, and I won. So, I mean, I feel like I've always been one to serve a look. But, like, this year, I'm going to try to, like, even elevate that. Yeah. And it is actually a part of my, like, resistance here in Syracuse. Like, I refuse for 26 inches of snow to make me dress like a six-year-old bundled up by their mama going to school. Okay? I will serve a damn look. And I will be warm and fashionable doing so. (laughs) Fashion, form, and function. Yeah. So, you know, I've... It's funny because like when like like I said it's part of my resistance. So when I when I put on something, I also want to like go out and you know be like a little <laughs> mixy as me, <laughs> you know. So um, I've been doing that. I went to see the homies in Boston, the Boston uh, Batty Brigade, the, the Boston Batty Brigade. Not see, to be I confused. see y'all see she got another uh, Batty Brigade. I don't. I only have one. Oh my gosh! First of all, I see these Batty Brigades as. Like that's the Boston chapter. Oh sure. Of the Batty oh, Brigade. Sure. You you we we are your side, Batty Brigade. That is not true. Stop doing that. 
I, anyway. I practice queer friendship anarchy. All of my friendships <laughs> are on the same level. Okay. okay? All right. <laughs> Since I got to say it like that. Um, so, yeah. So, I went out there and I was lovingly embraced by Kamara, Allison, and Kate. It was just so much fucking fun. Me and Cage, like, actually, we did two episodes of Queer Walk together, like, throwback episodes. Right. And we, we listened to the um, Bay or Buddy episode together, and so much has changed since then. It's kind of wild. Hmm, yeah. Like, wow. And it also made me think about, like, how much our friendship has, like, grown and sure. changed. And, like, Cage is basically my sibling. I love you so much. And so, yeah. So, I, you know, we went to a lesbian movie night and, like, kiki and it was a lot of fun. Um, and I also, I reinstalled Tinder. I have uninstalled and reinstalled Tinder enough to be, like, flagged by the Google uh, sure. app store. It's just wild. But whenever I go to a new city, I reinstall it. So I reinstalled it, and I got some matches. I actually got a match from a listener, because they were like, oh, what are you doing in Boston? I'm a huge fan of Queer Walk. And oh, I was like, okay. <laughs> a little humble brag. You know. <laughs> you know. But, yeah, I was really excited about that. But... I just need to let that person know that I have not curved you. I have just returned to Syracuse and I deleted Tinder. Okay. So, like, <laughs> reach out to me at Melanated, M-E-L-A-N-A-T-E-D, cha-ching, money. So, I'm just saying. <laughs> and also, I had realized that I had stopped talking to you about, like, my, my like, dating life. You stopped talking to me? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I just... Um, you know, me and Nikita, we are best friends. We are Biffles. And we had a tiff. Don't when you say why are you making this face? I'm not making no face. Go ahead. I don't don't you feel like we had a tiff? Sure. You you don't think it was a tiff? A tad of a tiff. All right. So we had a little, you know, debacle. It was that that, happened. That's what as a little debacle. <laughs> it's either a debacle or it's not. Um, and I just like I, I, I'm not saying that and like blaming you because obviously I am like responsible for like fifty point five percent of that. Um, because I confide in you about everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like I kind of put you in an awkward place with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I feel like I overcorrected and shut down and like wouldn't just d- stop talking to you about like how I felt about mm-hmm. dating, love, relationships, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have re- I realized over the break from Queer Walk that I miss talking to you about stuff, bitch. You don't, you don't know what you got till it's gone. Y'all gonna hear <laughs> y'all about to hear a loud crunching sound, and it's gonna be me breaking Nikita's nose because she she's sitting here looking at me like mm, told you, bitch. Oh uh, really? Oh you gonna you gonna come out of me? <laughs> Is that what you finna do? <laughs> You know how they say Molly Wop is Kamala Wop. <laughs> Kamala Wop. <laughs> yeah, but I said all that to say, you know, I was feeling so much better about, like, that whole disagreement and, like, everything surrounding it. And I just, like, wanted to share that with you, but then, like, felt like I couldn't. No. And I was just like, wow. Like, I had been jokingly saying I'm dead inside, but it was also, like, my way of sort of, like, covering, like, I don't want to talk about this with Nikita. I mean, I figure. I mean, you say I, I haven't pushed. Yeah, I don't. I still don't want you to push. I'm gonna do it on my terms. Yeah, I believe okay. that. All right. Your feelings, your choice, your body. Your okay, choice. shut up. Full body consent episode. Okay. And nobody ask you. Okay. Oh, that's the total opposite of consent. I'm sorry. That sounds awful. Oh. I'm a monster. Oh. <laughs> um, Change that to melanated monster. <laughs> oh, that might be the new name. It should be. Hmm. 
Cookie Monster Money. Okay, that's nasty. <laughs> Link in the box. Oh <laughs> my god. Yeah, so that, I mean, I feel like I needed to include that in the Curve Chronicles segment because I want to be open with my Biffle again. I'm mm-hmm. here, ready for you to be open. On your terms. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's been it. I mean, Syracuse is still a desolate wasteland when it comes to dating. Um, it's It's still been... Uh, nearly 600 days since wow. <laughs> I've. <laughs> what does that mean? Exactly. What is? I'm not going to translate that. My mama listens to this program. No. Well, you got here, so obviously she knows. How... <laughs> you know, I don't mean that in no disrespectful way, Miss Sharon, because I know you listen. I know um, you are a fully autonomous, yeah, self-determined woman. Yeah, and uh, so I don't know. Like, I just think that I am okay with talking to you about it, but I, I just am, I also am realizing that I, I don't want, I don't want to be, like, looking for relationships right now. I've been getting that sense from you. I'm good. I am whole, as Trina said. I'm, I'm a whole meal, so, like, I'm good. I'm true. eating over here. So, yeah. If you have anything else? Nope. Okay. That's a show. We have to find a new way to close it. So, Quiwa, unparalleled and peerless. <laughs> I, I really feel like we got to get out this genre of like 50s radio. No, it's, I love it. It's, it's where it's at. Because you know the 20s are coming back. And I'm like right on schedule. All right, Nikita. Um, so yeah that's it y'all we are so excited to be back we have amazing things planned for this year we do great guests coming just fun 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 uh, fun and fire yes Tw- 20 fine team 20 fire team 20 fire team yes <laughs> yeah so hit us up on all the things at queer rock pod don't forget to use the hashtag to tell other people you know make listening active um, hashtag QueerWOC. You can find me on um, Instagram and Twitter at Melanated Money. You can find me at Afro Blazing Guns 2Gs. And we out. <laughs>